coming up on this episode of the Happy Pair Podcast. Your body isn't just for show. It does a million things for you every single day that you take for granted. And by punishing it or wanting another body is never going to make that relationship better. Because I'm someone who tried every single diet fad out there. I'm someone who tried every quick fix out there. And I'm someone who met my goal weight multiple times. And I never went, aha, now I'm happy. Now I'm ready. That never happened. Welcome back to the Happy Pair Podcast. We're Dave and Steve, and we are delighted and honored for your attention. This podcast is in partnership with SuperValue. Thank you for your support. So we've had loads of wonderful guests all helping and discussing how we can all become better versions of ourselves. This week, we have our friend, the wonderful Roz Purcell. Roz, you might know from social media, from being an international model, from winning Miss Universe. Roz kind of opens up about success, being a model, how to find positivity in your body, and it's just a wonderful, all-round, honest conversation. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, yeah, let us know what you think on social media. Like, we love all the feedback, and we're loving it thus far. There's loads of good takeaways in this one in terms of mental health, in terms of practical takeaways. So we really, really hope you enjoy it. And once again, let us know what you think. Thanks a million. Enjoy. So... Roz is someone we've admired for years. I think Roz is wonderful. She's a, a wonderful role model for women and for men and just such a great authentic human who is dead sound. And as we were just saying there just before we started this is that we've known Roz for years, but to have, actually sit down and have a good conversation like where we dig in, we haven't really had this opportunity. So we're really, really excited and we're so honored to have you here today, Roz. Oh, guys, you make me blush there. And you're right. I think anytime we do get to see each other, it's usually I'm out in the cafe or maybe I joined you for a YouTube or a beach swim. And it's kind of lovely and quick because I feel like that's our lives, you know, in the in the midst of it all. We're kind of in and out, get things done. So it's, I'm actually really looking forward to it because I actually don't think, um, you know, we've ever kind of chilled on this level. Yeah. yeah. Okay, one thing which I'd love to, so as we were saying, we've known you for years, but we've never properly kind of gone through a bit of your backstory. Like I, we know, and lots of people who are listening will have known that you've been a model and you reached great heights with the model and you went to the States and then you got involved with social media and media and all sorts of different things. But I'd love to, if you could give us a quick little run through. Yeah, so I grew up in Tipperary um, on a farm. Uh, it was predominantly a beef farm. And... Uh, I kind of went to a very kind of Catholic school, Loretto. Um, I was just kind of one of those awkward teenagers that just wanted to fit in. So I did whatever I needed to, to fit in. Um, and I kind of jumped from friends group to friends group because I always felt like it was very awkward. And I think, oh, I think a lot of people who know me probably know that it takes a while to get to know me because I can be quite awkward. I always am trying to think in gaps of time, what will I say next? What will I say next? Um, when I was 18, I went to UCD. I'm just kind of like a sheep. I followed my rest of my friends. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, so I went and I decided I was going to study art. And I wanted to study, study politics and history because they were my favorite subjects in school. Um, and I think like on my first weekend in school, I went to Dundrum, just check it out because it's a country pumpkin. And I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to go to the big shopping center. Even though I had no money, but just walk around. And I was scouted by a modeling agent there and then. Um, and that's kind of how my modeling journey started. I modeled in Ireland for probably about 
10 months before I entered Miss Universe Ireland and it was just from a photographer saying oh you should enter Miss Universe Ireland and now I really looked at myself as kind of I suppose when I started modeling uh they stripped away everything they stripped away my fake tan they stripped away my makeup they were like you're not allowed to straighten your hair so I kind of became this I always think back to did you ever watch America's Next Top Model growing up no, we're from an old boy's family. They'd always um, change the girls' appearances and they'd be like, no, no, like so attached to who they thought they were. And I feel like I went through a bit of that in my early modeling years where um, they kind of had to peel back the layers and strip away my security blankets, which was my straightened hair, my, you know, fake tan, my makeup and all that kind of stuff. Um, and when I went to do Miss Universe Ireland, I got to put all that back on again. So it was kind of like, oh my God, I get to be like you know, kind of sexy girl with the sexy air again, because I feel like all my modeling shoes up to then were like, you know, really tight. I was kind of androgynous looking, you know, that's kind of the, the look that, that suited um, the route I was going with modeling. Um, so I really enjoyed doing Miss Universe Ireland at the time. It was a fun experience. I got to meet so many different girls from all over Ireland. And um, the first year I didn't win. Um, and thank God I didn't because I was 18. And I, <laughs> I look back and I'm like, okay, I had no idea in my 20s what I was doing hair and makeup or who I was. But at least they gave me another year to grow before I went off to do Miss Universe again and actually won. Um, where I went on to uh, Las Vegas to compete for, I think it was four or five weeks in Miss Universe which was wild um, because, oh God, I look back then, I was so young. I was so eager, so competitive. And like, I really, really thought I had a chance at winning. <laughs> you know, you love that about your younger self. Like nothing was out of reach. You were like, I'm going, I can't believe I'm going to go win this, you know? <laughs> so um, that was a really fun experience. And I think I definitely learned a lot about, um, I think, in general, what society kind of tells women, and I know a lot of people might be like, you went off and did Miss Universe, which is to some people would think it's quite backwards. But to me, it actually taught me quite a lot about how women are pitched up against each other and how we're kind of, I suppose I was definitely brought up with the idea that women were in competition with each other and a competition like that, where there is only one winner, you know, there's only room for one, that kind of idea. And after that experience and maybe being a little bit overly competitive with everyone and myself I kind of came away from that being like I really appreciate women a lot more and the whole idea that we're constantly in competition with each other doesn't serve anyone um so for me that experience and in going into the modeling industry further you know modeling in New York modeling in South Africa uh, modeling in Europe London and back to Ireland was a big big learning experience I made tons and tons of mistakes but I feel like it definitely shaped me into who I am now so I don't regret any of it even though if I was to do it do it again I would do it a lot differently so that's kind of up to the point where I came back um to Ireland after modeling abroad for quite some time and obviously you know thrown in there there's you know eating disorders there's I suppose being alone traveling alone for a long time in my early 20s leaving college and all that kind of side of my life as well 
One thing I always really admire with you and recently in Instagram is that you're trying to show behind the scenes and show the reality because our brother uh, for many years, Mark, who many people don't know, uh, he's been an international DJ. And you say it to anyone, oh, he's an international DJ. He could be playing Amsterdam, then he could be in Madrid, then he could be in London the next day. And, and everyone go, and everyone, before, before Corona, and everyone go, wow, that sounds amazing. And Mark says, but the reality is I'm sitting on a plane a lot and I'm on my own a lot. And it's not as glamorous as people think. And I often admire with your social media that you're trying to show that it took 200 photos to get this one perfect photo and you want to show the reality. How do you balance that and how do you, I guess, make peace with it having been through the journey that you've been through? Um, Well, I I think for myself, I always look at my social media as would I get something from it if I was a user? And two, three years ago, I would have said, no, absolutely not. I just posted lovely, nice photos that were kind of um I suppose ego driven in that like you know they do whatever likes they got kind of gave you that validation you know and I think a lot of people on Instagram it's like they're looking for that validation they're posting that picture and if it doesn't get their kind of number of likes they start to go well maybe that wasn't a good photo um and I look at my social media now as would I get something from it if I was a user and I think a big thing with social media when I go through it I often sometimes come off feeling worse because I'm like I'm having a really shit day or a really shit week or a really shit year. And it seems like everyone else is living the most perfect life. What is wrong with me? When in reality, there's nothing wrong with you. There's just something wrong and something broken with how we socialize on online, which is just not being honest. I do think, you know, there's a a line between being aspirational and just being completely unrelatable (laughs) so um I try to kind of meet that in the middle because I do think you know aspiration inspiration things are good because I think you know it does maybe push people to do new things like travel or get out hiking and all that but I think there has to be a line where you kind of showcase that it didn't just happen that easily or you know that whole day isn't encapsulated in this one photo before this photo was taken, like me and my wife were killing each other (laughs) or like, you know, afterwards I got bad news or I actually was feeling really shit when this, when this happened, you know, everything isn't what it seems. And I think that old quote of like, you know, a picture says a thousand words. I think we all know that that's absolute bullshit. Like a picture says absolutely nothing about that person or that day. I've got a question for you in terms of the pressure of being a woman today. Over the last decade, I guess it's become, since having kids really and having two daughters, I've become more and more aware of how much the world has been a male-dominated world. Having two daughters, it's just cracked me open to the challenges of being a woman and the pressures of it. I think you're a wonderful voice for women. Could you maybe talk about some of the challenges or the struggles or how you deal with them? I'm a very privileged woman like who's kind of came from an industry, I've gone through an industry that's you know, I suppose where females kind of do lead the modeling industry. But with that, there has been, I suppose, a huge effect because I came from an industry that uh, strives off aesthetics. So for me, one thing that I can talk about is, I suppose, uh, pressure for females and to be a certain body trend. And I'm going to say body trend because the trends do always change. I think growing up uh, in my teens, it was like, you know, you had the Paris Hiltons and you had the Kate Mosses and now it's kind of the Kardashians, you know. So the whole body trend and trying to live up to such an unrealistic standard for females is very difficult. And I don't want to actually just draw the line of females. So I do think guys go through it as well at the moment. And they always have in terms of like having had like perfect sculpted abs and be always in the gym and um, 
be a certain height or whatever it is. So I think for me, my biggest my biggest lesson when it comes to the pressures for females is to have a really good community or friends group around you. Um, and I think both of you as parents, it's so important. And I'm obviously not a parent, but just from my own experience, not to reflect your own food issues or your own body issues on your children um, and to let them make their own choices and to kind of not shelter them from what's going on in the world or, you know, this is wrong, this is bad, but give them such a strong sense of who they are and their self-worth without the aesthetics attached. And one thing that I wish my young, I could go back and tell my younger self, I suppose, when I really started to get into disordered eating in my late teens, early 20s, would just be like, your body isn't just for show. It does a million things for you every single day that you take for granted. And by punishing it or wanting another body is never going to make that relationship better. Um, And you're going to spend and you're going to waste the next five, six years of your life resenting something that you are going to have to live with. So it's much easier to make peace with that and treat it right than to kind of wish you had someone else's legs or, you know, wished you could be a certain size or wish you didn't have to eat. Wishing all these things that are never, ever going to make you happy because I'm someone who tried every single diet fad out there I'm someone who tried every quick fix out there and I'm someone who met my goal weight multiple times and I never went aha now I'm happy now I'm ready that never happened and do do you see that shifting now at all that those pressures alleviating a little bit or do you see them getting worse well I guess I meet girls who are younger than me who've already passed through it and they're like oh I'm so glad I'm not in diet culture anymore I'm very aware that you know that's a kind of I suppose, a whole industry that's making money off us feeling bad about ourselves. Then I meet people who are older than me who are still kind of in the midst of it. So I think for everyone, it's very individual. It's kind of what you go through. Um, I credit a lot of bad experiences in my 20s to being at this stage right now. And at the time, they seemed like they were really such bad experiences that I was never going to get through. But actually having to kind of pull yourself through bad times makes you... I know, appreciate yourself a bit better, understand your self-worth. So I think for everyone, it's extremely, extremely different about when they come to their kind of realization. And for a lot of people, that's never, which is really, you know, quite sad because I understand what it's like to feel trapped in a system where your whole self-worth is based around what weight you are, what you've eaten that day and how good you are at punishing yourself or restricting. Um, And what I do want to say is I also think right now I live in a bit of an echo chamber that I'm like society is changing. Everyone's waking up to the fact that like these are all just schemes and, you know, diet culture is just another multi-million industry to kind of make that's making money off us feeling bad about ourselves, you know. Um, But then again, I just think I've surrounded myself online with my newsfeed with people who think very similar to me so I can't say if it has or not because I guess I do live in a bubble and it's something I, I don't run away from I don't try to hide that I live in a bubble I live in a bubble because that's what I need to do for my own head 
you're someone who hikes loads and like you really value the importance of nature and part of the reason why many of us can struggle with mental health issues or one of the reasons is that we're very disconnected from the natural world we tend to live in an artificial in a, in a house indoors we're on screens all the time and we're quite disconnected from the natural rhythms in the natural world because I often see your pictures of hikes or your pictures of traveling around Ireland it's just like wow amazing and it, it, it kind of inspires me to get out and hike I know I saw a beautiful one you up at the snow somewhere that just looked like my god I really must get up the mountains can you just talk about your love of nature and how important it is for your mental health and a means of coping so for me I grew up on Slievenamon mountain which is also mountain of the women um down Tipperary so it's funny I always grew up with a real strong sense of women like women were super powerful because I grew up on Slievenamon where there's uh actually well the myth is actually very I suppose very backward when it comes to females because basically it was it's called that name. I will get to the story about hiking there after I tell you this. I love a bit of folklore anyway. Um, so when I hike, I love learning the folklore in the area because I'm a bit of a history buff. I'm not even real history. I love that kind of myth, fake history, you know, like super supernatural <laughs> stuff, all the fairies. So um, Fionn McCool wanted, uh, was going to get a wife. So in order to pick his wife, they had a race. And um it was the first woman who could get to the top of Shivna Man. Um, so obviously he wanted Grania to win. So he helped her cheat and she hid um, behind a rock halfway up. So Grania won. Um, so don't really love the story that women had to fight for a man to get to the top of the mountain. But um, I suppose growing up, I, I can't say on the fact that it was like the mountain of the women. Um, and I use the mountain, I use Shiva Man as my means of escaping kind of teenage roads. Like if I had a breakup, I'd go up to my favorite spot, which is still the spot I go to every time I go home to have a little cry or just to kind of reconnect or just sit there and listen because it's by a little waterfall and you get that lovely sense of the wind blowing through the trees. And it's just, it's funny because I put up a photo of it recently. It's the first time I ever put up a photo and someone was like, that's not in Ireland. Cause it, it's like a small part of the mountain that just kind of almost looks like a rainforest. So growing up, going to the mountains for me was just total escapism from whatever was happening in my day, or maybe it was just getting away from doing any chores. Um, and throughout my teenage years, I did go back and I hiked quite a lot. Um, but in my late teens and kind of heading into my 20s, obviously going away and traveling, I suppose I was just living in cities. I was living in either, you know, London, New York or um, God, I spent loads of time in South America, South Africa, that I really detached from nature quite a lot. And it wasn't until I got back to Ireland when I was, you know, to 22 or whatever I went and I did Kilimanjaro and I got really back into hiking as my means of kind of just finding that grounding again I'd spent so many years abroad traveling alone feeling probably the worst I've ever felt in terms of with my body missing my family feeling like I'd missed that kind of side of college and I would disconnected from all my friends in college that hiking was this thing that I could reconnect with um and I guess I only started sharing my hiking adventures really in 2017 um, because I think before that it wasn't really sexy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, that's what I mean with social media. Like you would, you'd share like a glammed up photo of you, but you weren't sharing at like, the times you were roaming through the hills, actually having fun. So I started sharing a lot of my hiking adventures in 2017 and hiking for me has really, as I said, been the reset button. 
whether I am busy all weekend on a Saturday or Sunday, I get to go out and do a long hike. No matter what I'm dealing with, with work or life, after that hike, it seems far more manageable. So for me, hiking has always been a means of escapism, resetting, and just allowing myself process. And I'm not someone who will go on a hike and just go, okay, I'm going to forget all the bad things I'm thinking about. I'll actually go through them while I'm walking. And I think the whole thing about hiking one one foot in front of the other, it's quite like meditation. It's the same thing again and again. And you almost get into like a meditative state and you're fully present. Even if you are thinking about something, you stop every now and again, you go, oh, look at that. You know, you're surrounded by so much nature, so much beauty. So it allows my brain to relax. It allows it to process something, um, process, obviously, any issues I have, make them feel more manageable, but also allows my brain to just stop and have a break from it. So I feel like when I'm in my house, when I'm on my laptop all the time, when I'm thinking about work, my brain is constantly on a hamster wheel. I'm just constantly turning it and just hiking kind of, I suppose, allows the hamster to get off for a while and just take a break. You said before when we were hanging out that you don't, you're not one for meditation or for yoga or those typical things that people do nowadays for mindfulness. You're like, I'm not into them at all. Give me a mountain (laughs) any day of the week. I'm like, give me a mountain any day of the week and that'll fix me up, you know? Um, And I think it's because my mind races so fast and I'm always thinking about the next thing, the next thing that hiking is the only thing that kind of really helps me to plant my feet firmly on the ground and be present. So your dad's a beef farmer and rumor has it that he tried to go vegan or went vegan or something around to that degree. Could you tell us that story and where he's at and what his struggles were and if he's still keeping to it or Um, the benefits? My dad was a beef farmer growing up and so we obviously grew up on, on a cow farm. Um, so my relationship, I suppose, with animals was so mixed because I always had cats growing up. We had a dog and I'm the biggest animal lover you'll ever meet. And, you know, I go out to cows every morning and like rub them. So my relationship with food was kind of uh, in terms of, you know, eating meat was very like all over the place I suppose growing up I I was very much under the impression that like this is the circle of life you know and I suppose a lot of I suppose a lot of people are totally okay with that being the circle of life um when I was about I think it was early 20s my dad got rid of all the cows so we're obviously no longer any type of a farm (laughs) they're just chilling retiring but he before he retired he got rid of all the cows he just didn't want to do beef farming anymore and it was about, I would say, three and a half, four years ago, my dad decided he wanted to go vegan. Now, my dad was someone who uh, has had, kind of, a few, I suppose, a few heart issues over the last kind of couple of years. Um, and it's funny because I think, you know, it wasn't, he never put it down to his diet. He actually put it down to the stress of owning all the cows and having to hunt them daily because they'd always break out. Like literally, I spent my, people wonder why I'm so fit. I spent my whole childhood chasing cows. Honestly, (laughs) I spent my whole childhood. My dad would be like, over there, run over there. So um, he he stopped being a bee farmer and he decided he wanted to go vegan. And I just said I'd do it with him. Now, I was kind of at the stage where I wasn't really... What, what age was he then? So he was... Oh, wait. So my dad is... 
dad is 69. So that's five years ago, 64, 64, um, right, 64, 65, right? Um, so he's like, I want to be vegan. And I was actually home for those three weeks. So I was like, look, I don't know, is this a ploy for me to get to cook for you? But I'll do it with you and I'll cook for you. And at the stage, I was kind of going, you know, I was kind of going that way as well. So I kind of liked the idea that someone was going to do it with me. Um, so, yeah. All we did was eat vegan for three, four weeks. Um, and I had to go back up to Dublin and I really was like, okay, he's just going to go back to his normal routine. But he decided what he wanted to do was I'm, he said, I'm going to be vegan at home. And then if I was going out for a cup of tea or going somewhere, I'd have milk in my tea or I might have an egg or something. So he kind of took it in a very, like, I suppose, he looked at it in a, a very achievable way because we live in Tipperary. So he's like, if I go out, I don't want to be in a position where I have nothing to eat. So I'm going to just be vegan at home. And actually, the biggest change was it really got him back into cooking. When we were growing up, my dad was, was and still is now the cook of the house. Um, he, he makes the best desserts. He makes the best dinners. Um, and his mum was a fantastic cook. So it really got him back into cooking. That was probably my favourite part about it because I think when he noticed when we all left the house, him and mum kind of didn't put as much effort into you know their meals because they didn't have you know they weren't cooking for anyone else I totally understand that so um yeah so like even today he's vegan at home and when he's out he kind of will have whatever he wants but he still to this day keeps it up and um he sounds brilliant he really does I look forward to meeting him he's really funny because you know when people are like you know vegans you'll know them you'll know vegans because they'll tell you straight away (laughs) that was my dad he like literally was like i'd say this close away from getting a jumper that said like hello i'm now vegan like he was so into it and my dad was one of those people that he had watched a documentary and that kind of just scared the shit out of him basically and that was kind of his his route into it um so yeah it's it's nice now because i think you know going home there's always oat milk in the fridge for me which is like amazing, you know? Um, and it's not one of those things where I go home and it's like, oh, why won't you have that? Which I think, well, what some people, you know, seem to get, like I know I got lots of messages off my um, people who follow me saying that, you know, I'm recently gone vegetarian or vegan and like my family aren't really okay with it. Um, so I think for me, it's been hugely beneficial because, you know, I go home and they have like, lovely melty vegan cheese and stuff and oat milk ready that I don't have to go down at my own stock that's gas and and how did it affect his health did it improve his heart or did he lose weight oh well he any of those side effects yeah so he lost weight at the very start I'm pretty sure his cholesterol went down quite a lot um I don't have exact figures now because it was obviously four years ago um and he lost quite a bit of weight and he's managed to kind of keep it off so wow. yeah he's yeah and and what about your mom by association did she kind of um, start eating healthier or did, did my mom has always been quite healthy and she's always been pretty much vegetarian um she wouldn't be a huge huge meat eater or chicken or anything like that so she was always very much very vegetable heavy when it came to mealtime breakfast lunch dinner um so most of my family kind of is you know Except Rachel, except Rachel, yeah, she's she's probably not. 
Uh, and then in terms of your own diet, I know, uh, like I remember hearing you tell different stories like of where you went through kind of serious issues with food and challenges with them and you really weren't focusing on nutrition of food. You were seeing food as purely functional as a means of keeping yourself alive while you've reached this perfect aesthetic. Um, how, how, how is your relationship with food now? And would you have any tips to anyone listening who's kind of struggling with food, doesn't see the love of it, the beauty of it, the, the ability to bring people together, the pleasure of it, the indulgence, the just lusciousness of it? I always find it so weird when someone's like, I'm just not really into food or I, I forgot to eat today. I'm like, what? I don't trust you. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, what What happened when you were growing up? And I, I don't mean that in a bad way because I know some people's food issues are from growing up. But um, I guess for me, I looked at food as purely either like you said, a means to be a certain weight. And I looked at food definitely as the enemy because I love food so much. I always have. I've grown up with food being the center of family, the center of bringing people together, the center of joy, food you know, whether it's creating a recipe and seeing even someone eat it or, you know, having a slice of cake yourself, it's momentary happiness. And I think I grew up with the idea, that idea changed going to my teens and my twenties with, you know, mems a moment on the lips forever on the hips and food for me became the enemy. I used to wish I just was someone who wasn't into food. I was like, why could I just be like that person who just forgets to eat or, you know, wasn't into it, like didn't enjoy it. And um, that just solely came down to my own issues with how I suppose I absorbed so much from what I was hearing from people around me in my industry, what society was telling me, which was, you know, this is good. This is good food. This is bad food. And, you know, I started that whole cycle of, I suppose, binging and purging and, you know, um, bulimia and then kind of orthorexia, which was just, I could not eat anything unless it was deemed super, super healthy and super, super clean. Um, and obviously, you know, I went through disordered eating and I went and the best thing I did was get professional help. And over the years, just, I suppose, being able to manage it and truly understand what food I really want to eat, what food I really enjoy um, has kind of led me then to being plant-based. Um, and I think, you know, whenever you see me, you'll never see me without a dog. And I, I am such an animal lover. And that was probably my biggest reason why I moved to being plant-based um but just to go back sorry to your question and any advice for anyone who is suffering with issues around food um there's so much amazing help out there and I actually Bodywise which is um a a place in Ireland and they're experts in the area they actually offer free courses for people um say if you have a family member who's going through any food issues or um any eating disorders it's a free course for you to go and how you can support them properly and there's so many amazing and also free resources around in Ireland where you can help yourself and help others around you or in your family to kind of overcome them and really find that joy in food you know like I've come full circle now I'm like food brings so much joy and whether it's the case that I'm making a recipe and getting to see other people recreate it and enjoy it or whether it's you know, me just creating something just for myself. It brings so much joy. It brings people together. I think, you know, right now, I think anyone who got to go home over Christmas, food is the center of all of that. And it's a shame not to enjoy it. It's a shame not to want to enjoy it. Um, 
because it's one of those really, really simple pleasures that we're so lucky to have. Totally agree. Totally agree. One food I always associate with you is almond butter. Like every time I see you, you've either got almond butter in your hands, you've got it near you, you talk about it or something like I always associate it. So what are three foods for 2021 for someone that wants to kind of push the boundaries of their own, you know, typical food habits? What would be three foods you'd recommend people try in 2021 and eat more of? Oh, that's really hard. Can I do three products that are always in my kitchen press, number one? Okay, right. okay, so oat milk, right? Because I think if you're like me and you're a serious tea drinker and getting milk out of your tea is one of the hardest things to do, oat milk, barista-style oat milk is going to be, don't even try anything else. Don't even bother, right? Barista oat milk. Brilliant. Uh, number two would have to be, so like I'm, I'm surprised you didn't say this when you actually said the food I associate you with most, chickpeas. Like, uh, <laughs> like yeah. okay, do you, do you know the two Johnnies? Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I was even, I was in their music. I'm really good friends. And so they're like, will you do my music video? Like, and they made a joke, which they didn't even show me. But in the video, we were acting out that I was going out with smacks. And then I broke up with them and I didn't see this until that final edit, but he screamed out, yeah, that's fine. I'm sick of eating your chickpeas anyway, <laughs> because every time <laughs> I've been with them, I've been given them, I've been like, do you want something to eat? And there's always chickpeas in it. And you know, what's funny. My boyfriend the other day, I was like, I'm going to the shop to get stuff for dinner. What do you want? He's like, anything. But then for that, went, but chickpeas, no more chickpeas. <laughs> so for me, <laughs> for me, like chickpeas is one of those things that if you have in your press, you can make anything make anything you can you can make truffles you can make chickpea scramble you can make a chickpea curry you can make hummus you know what I mean it's so versatile and then number three I think would have to be good old nut butter yeah peanut butter almond butter I think you know lash it with some you know whether it's like slather on some toast or you know slice up some apples and then I guess anyone who is kind of looking to go more plant-based I think you know obviously this it's 2021 and I think people are stuck at home and they've definitely got into cooking more this year which is fantastic I think like my number one thing to do which is something that I probably started a bit too late into my plant-based journey but would probably be just like making sure you're you know picking recipes that you already like like if you if you're someone who loves a kind of shepherd's pie or you love a fry up in the morning there is now in 2021 so many amazing vegan alternatives for that like I think back to five years ago when I first started trying to go plant-based like vegan sausages were not what they were now like you guys you guys how long have you been vegans for 20 years yeah like you 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 did the hard slog of it like it's people like it's it's people like me and like the rest of people who are joining in the last kind of four or five years you know like we're reaping the benefits of that We've got all the, we've got like melty cheese and we've got like hamburgers that like, you know, they're like, uh, yeah, yeah. Totally. I, I remember we used to have to go to the health food shop because lentils and that weren't in super value. That's, you just didn't get them or nuts wild. or dried fruit. You wouldn't get, you had to go down to the health food store because they were health foods. Wow. So like to many people watching, you know, you've got a large social media following. You've been an international model. You've been Miss Universe. You're extremely successful. How do you define success for Roz now? So this is something that's definitely changed and it's definitely changed, I think, really in the last year. And I don't know, does 2020 and lockdown and I suppose life being so uncertain and the chaos have to thank for this. But I used to look at success as, like you said, achieving milestones by a certain age, for example, 
buying a house in my 30s or, you know, finding the one to settle down with, um, making a certain amount of money, having a certain amount of followers, getting a certain amount of likes. When I realize all that stuff can go like that. Um, and I've really made peace this year with what I would be like without all of that stuff. Who would I be without all of that stuff? Would I still find myself successful? Am I determining success on such external things that I'm never going to be happy? Is it like a weight goal that when I buy my first house, it's going to be like, well, maybe I need a bigger one. Maybe I need a second one. Or when I find a perfect relationship, will I look at other relationships and go, why isn't mine like that? Or, you know, if I get a certain amount of followers, well, that person has more. Maybe I should reach for more. So I think when I realized this year, if my success totally fell on such external things that are in terms never really endless, would I ever be happy? So I feel like my success totally lands now on just day by day, like how I cope day by day, how do I feel day by day? Did I treat someone well today? Like, was I a kind person? Did I give my best to my friends and family who needed me? Did I do my best in work? Did I do my best to not make other people feel better? Because I don't think your whole life's purpose is to make other people feel better all the time or, you know, to make people like you because, well, there's no way to live life to, you're not born to make people like you and die, you know, but, you know, did I do my best to, I suppose, be the best version of yourself? And I suppose that's all I really kind of look at day by day, because if I'm constantly searching for something much bigger and that's in my control, but in some ways never really measurable, I don't think I'll ever be happy. And and on that, do you like, you know, the way do you find that you write goals? Like, did you write goals like most people at the turn? Lots of people for the turning of the year. Now, maybe there was a lot less people this year wrote goals than previous <laughs> years because it was so much of a write off 2020. But do you still write goals then and go, OK, this is what I want to do? Or have you kind of thrown that out the window and gone, OK, I'm just going to try to like myself more today? Yeah. You know what? Sometimes I think I have I used to have a habit of setting goals that were so big and like you know I I'm just going to recall when I said you know when I went to Miss Universe I really thought I was going to win like and I love that when you're younger you know nothing is unattainable but I do think as you get older you realize that some of the big big attainable things it's not just about getting there it's about enjoying all the process of it so I didn't necessarily write down goals big big goals but like you said I wrote I wrote down daily goals and actually this year like the biggest thing that I'm focused on is actually just taking care of myself and I know for some people they were like boring but um it's actually just not letting all the external factors forget who I am and not letting all those voices maybe around me or in my head shape who I think I am now um so for me, it's really just looking after myself. Like I have a goal setting. It's like a diary, but it's just daily goals. And basically every single day, it's the same thing. It's like, take 20 minutes to sit down and read a chapter of this book or take 10 minutes to do your breath work before bed. It's such simple things. 
And that's my goals that allow me to actually achieve big goals. Because what I've realized is I used to write these big goals and run to them and run to them and run to them. But by the time I was there, I never enjoyed them because I was so burnt out. Great reminder. I know when you were a kid, you baked loads and like you don't obviously have kids, but what would be like you obviously developed your love of food from your household, Mm -hmm. as you said at home, your dad was a serious cook and food was the center of everything. What would be advice for any parents to try to get their kids more inspired about food or involved in the process? So growing up, I actually spent most of my childhood growing up with my grandparents. They lived in a house right beside our family house. Um, And my granny was a baked non-stop all day long so um the biggest thing that helped me get so into food and actually learn how to cook was giving me tasks so at dinner time my job changed every single day whether it was making the roux sauce for a white sauce whether it was even something simple like preparing the potatoes or peeling an onion chopping an onion learning how to do it correctly um Maybe you don't want to give your kids knives, just to put that out there. Um, but I think health and safety back then, I don't know, was that really a thing? <laughs> anyway. So, I, I give my kids knives, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, important. Well, teaching them, them teaching them how to use them right. Um, so yeah. for me, the big thing was giving me a task, giving me a purpose for the dinner, making me a part, be a part of it was probably the biggest thing in getting me into food and, you know, understanding how to learn the basics. Um, and a huge thing for me was sitting down at dinner or at breakfast or whenever it was with my granddad. And I knew I had made the potatoes or the white sauce or whatever part of the dinner and seeing his reaction, like on MasterChef. And he'd like, <laughs> and he'd always, he'd always be like, needs a little bit more work. So I'd always be trying to work and getting a little bit better and a little bit better. So I definitely think the biggest thing for me was getting a purpose and getting a task. And it wasn't a case of like, do you want to watch this being made or whatever? It was like, this is your job to do. And, you know, if I ever I messed it up, because there was definitely times I messed it up. It wasn't like, oh, my God, you messed it up. It was like, let's try this again and I'll try it with you. And it was always really kind of, I suppose, encouraging when it came to food and cooking. Um, And then when he went into secondary school and I kind of moved back home um, because, unfortunately, my grandparents passed away. um, Like food just became a therapy for me you know if I was in school and I'd come home and I would just say I have my homework done can I please bake something and mum would be like okay <laughs> like she doesn't want to go out and do anything bad she just wants to sit, make a lemon souffle so um it just in my teen years it just became my way I suppose maybe in a way to reconnect with my grandparents who passed away but also just to kind of forget what would, what what was happening in school or you know what I was going through as a teenager and just be present and also, can I just say, I was a gluttonous fool as a child. So like, I just would eat dessert all day long. So teaching me how to make the thing I loved the most, that was a win-win, you know. Brilliant. Thank you, Roz. You're amazing, really. Ah. So lovely to to talk in more depth and to have an hour to sit and chat. Yeah. I really appreciate your vulnerability, your honesty, and I, f- I think you're a wonderful role model. Oh, thanks, guys. Do check anyone listening. Check out Roz. Her books are great. Follow her on Instagram. She's amazing. And uh, say hello when you meet her. That was fabulous. I really admire Roz, her just connection with important issues, being vulnerable, being honest and being real about the importance of just showing gratitude and appreciation for our bodies that we kind of can often take for granted. Okay, next episode, we have a real treat for you. We have something. This is a guest that if we could dream of our perfect guest, he would definitely be right up there. It is the one, the only, Russell Brand. Yeah, we had a wonderful conversation with Russell. It went rogue. It went into the ditch. It was 
fascinating, thrilling, enlightening, as you might imagine, with Russell Brand. Oh, it was so much fun. He's such a great guy. He's, I guess, become a friend. Um, someone that we met, he came and visited a number of years ago. And we get into so many different issues. And it's a deep, it's a real, it's a funny, and it's a very real conversation uh, do check it out next week yeah it was quite relaxed which is quite surprising which you wouldn't have thought with myself Stephen and Russell Brand having a relaxed conversation it wouldn't be a word what you think and lastly ma- as we say every week massive shout out to Super Value who this podcast is in more partnership they're brilliant to work with do support them if you can cheers enjoy the week and we'll see you next week <laughs>